Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Thanks for joining us for the Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm your host, Craig Webb. Our spotlight topic for today's podcast is a case of Nina Moon. She's the Akron woman killed in the driveway of her home in January. Nina was killed by her estranged boyfriend, who was stalking her. The boyfriend then shot and killed himself. We will talk to journalist Stephanie Warsmith, who has been researching this case and other instances of stalking, along with Ashley Klein, the Director of Services for the Rape Crisis Center and Counselor for the Rape Crisis and Battered Women's Shelter. But first, here's three things you should know for recent headlines from BeaconJournal.com. Our health reporter, Betty Lynn Fisher, along with her colleagues throughout the state, took a look at the nursing crisis in Ohio. It seems that the hospitals were facing shortages in staff long before the pandemic, and the long hours and critical care required among patients during this pandemic has made this even worse. The hospitals are facing a critical need for more nurses and struggling to fill these positions. The war in Ukraine is being felt here in Akron and Northeast Ohio, home to a large population of immigrants from Ukraine. We talked to some local pastors and also folks who immigrated from Ukraine about the crisis going on in their homeland. He always says he's just a kid from Akron. Well, that just a kid from Akron is also going to have his own museum. This is all part of LeBron James Family Foundation renovation of the old Tangier property. We got an exclusive look inside to take a look around where there will be a coffee shop, a LeBron themed bar, sports bar with lots of TVs that have NBA games on and memorabilia, along with a Taco Tuesday shop with El Paso and a sweet shop with Mally's chocolate and Mitchell's ice cream and even a speakeasy-like pizza place where you have to know the secret door to get a slice. But in the basement is going to be a big attraction for the city. It will be home to the world's only LeBron James Museum. It will track his life from his early years in Spring Hill Apartments to his days at St. V's, to his NBA career that included stops with the Cavs twice in the Miami Heat and the Lakers. It will also trace the history of his personal um, business dealings that include The Wall on NBC and other programs, and also the history of his I Promise program that provides a chance for Akron kids to not only get a high school degree, but also possibly a college diploma. So for more on these stories and others, you should always visit our various apps and our beaconjournal.com, where you can find subscribers' exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else. Well, today's conversation is, is an important one, and we're, we're joined by Stephanie Warsmith and also Ashley Klein. She's the Director of Service for the Rape Crisis Center and Counselor for the Rape Crisis and Battered Women's Shelter, and so I welcome you both. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. I guess I'd like to start, Stephanie, with you first. I mean, you, you've been working for, for some time on a uh, on a project and a, and a story that, that kind of has, you know, uh, started with a, with a tragic situation, and maybe you can kind of set the backdrop for, for, for what brought us here today. So, so what prompted um, me to work on this story is I, um, I heard about um, this murder suicide that happened several weeks ago um, involving a woman named Heidi Moon and her um, ex-boyfriend at the time. 
And uh, what we learned is that uh, before um, Heidi's boyfriend um, killed her and uh, and shot himself and took his own life, that he was uh, was stalking her. And um, in fact, uh, that morning, a few hours before the uh, the double shooting that happened in the driveway of of her home, um, a private investigator found a tracking device on her car. And, um, you know, the private investigator advised that she not go home, um, but uh, she really wanted to go home to take care of her dogs and let them out and, and that kind of thing. And her ex said that he wasn't going to be there. And so she went home and and then that's when, uh, you know, what happened, unfortunately, uh, went down. And so, um, you know, we decided to write more about that and then to talk to Ashley and some of her um, associates at the, the Battered Women's Shelter and the Rape Crisis Center about, you know, what is stalking and um and you know what can people who are in these kinds of situations do and so that's that's uh, kind of uh, the focus of of why we're here and and why we're talking to Ashley well i guess we bring in Ashley i i you know maybe some folks aren't familiar and and i, I guess that's a, a good thing but you know but and maybe some people aren't aware that you've been out there that that who maybe need help or assistance or even just some guidance. And so maybe start the discussion with, with, with what you folks do and, and, and kind of how folks can, can reach you. Sure, yes. So I am from Hope and Healing Survivor Resource Center, which includes both the Battered Women's Shelter and Rape Crisis Center of Summit in Medina Counties. So I am the Director of Services for the Rape Crisis Center side of our agency. So I oversee all rape crisis center services, including our 24-7 hotline, hospital advocacy, legal advocacy, and trauma therapy programs. I am also a licensed counselor, so I provide individual trauma therapy services to survivors of intimate partner violence, sexual violence, and human trafficking. I guess I'm, I, I'm curious, you know, with, with Stephanie or you want to tackle this is, I mean, is stalking kind of a, I mean, is it common? I mean, is it, is it rare or is it more common than, than you might think? And, and, and what kind of constitutes stalking? Sure. So stalking is definitely something that is happening, you know, regularly and right here in Summit County. And to kind of make sure everyone's working from the same definition here, you know, stalking can be understood as a pattern of behavior that's directed at a specific person with the intention of intimidating and frightening that individual. So stalkers can use a variety of tactics to intimidate an individual, which could include repeated unwanted contact, sending gifts, following an individual, harassing their family, friends, employers, and also using technology to track an individual. So it is something that that happens frequently. Um, and it is much more common that stalking occurs by a current or former intimate partner by, or intimate partner, as Stephanie mentioned, you know, in the Heidi Moon case. So I'm also curious. I mean, and it can also be someone who's just a casual acquaintance, right? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be intimate. I mean, it could be just a coworker who just becomes obsessed or someone who 
comes in and sees someone at a coffee shop frequently. Sure. So, yes, those situations do happen where, you know, it's a stranger uh, type of stalking situation or possibly a relative, a friend, an acquaintance. But it is much more common that survive or stalking happens uh, within the context of, uh, of an intimate relationship. So uh, actually, a study by the U.S. Department of Justice found that stalking is most common after an individual has left a relationship and that women are significantly more likely to be socked by a partner or an ex-partner rather than a stranger or acquaintance. And this can happen young and old. I mean, this isn't necessarily exclusively a young thing or an old thing. Correct. Yeah. So I'm also curious, you know, with uh, modern technology, I mean, is it made it worse or is it just new tools? I don't want to say tools. That makes it sound, you know, I mean, flippant. And I'm not trying to be flippant at all. But, I mean, you know, with AirTag and, and just technology that you can track people's phone. I mean, is, has it made it a whole new dimension for, you know, for just potential stalking? I mean, made it, I don't say easier, but just a little more concerning. Sure. So stalkers definitely abuse technology to harass stalk and monitor victims. And, you know, I tend to approach this specific subject with a little bit more vagueness because I also don't want to be putting ideas out there for people to use about specifically, you know, technology tactics or stories I've heard from survivors. But you're absolutely right. There have been recent stories in the news about air tags being used and, You know, in general, of course, we're all aware that our phones and devices are always tracing our movements. So stalkers can definitely take advantage of that, um, which makes it complicated uh, because, you know, again, the technology is always changing and advancing. So that creates a lot of challenges when working with survivors of stalking because we're always having to catch up with these new uh, ways that that stalkers and abusers are using technology. So just maybe if you could walk me, me through the and our listeners through the steps of, you know, first of all, if you think you're being stalked, I mean, or concerned behavior, is that the first red flag that perhaps you have a problem that that, that you need to talk to somebody or or at least start taking steps? I mean, is, is your first instinct your your best instinct that that something is happening? Sure, yes. So we always encourage survivors and individuals to trust their own instincts. So any type of unwanted contact or interaction that makes someone feel uncomfortable or afraid or worried, you know, they should pay attention to that. Even to, you know, outsiders and in isolation, one incident might seem like it's smaller or like it's nothing. But at the end of the day, if that's making someone uncomfortable, they need to pay attention to that. Because, again, stalking is a pattern of behavior. So it's not common that there's just going to be one event straight from the beginning that someone can easily identify as being, oh, that's stalking, right? So it's a series of events. Some may be smaller and less, quote-unquote, threatening, but it's adding up to something bigger. 
Stephanie, what have you found in your reporting? I mean, in terms of, I guess, uh, instances, perhaps, I mean, other instances in the court system, but also in this particular case you looked at, I mean, how did it begin and, and what, you know, how did it progress and did it become more serious as, as things went on? Was it kind of that innocent beginning and, and it became more troublesome? Well, one of the things that was interesting in, in Heidi Moon's case is that, um, you know, there weren't instances of violence, um, physical violence that, that were happening in, in their relationship. They were together for a couple of years, um, but uh, there wasn't like a series of, um, you know, domestic violence incidents or anything like that. It was more of a, um, a mental abuse. Uh, according to the family members that I that I talked to, family members and friends of Heidi's. So, um, but uh, she was definitely concerned. Uh, she was going to hotels to try to remove herself from the situation, taking steps like that, and uh, had some friends go with her to the house that day because they were concerned about her um, and what what could potentially happen. But I know Ashley and I um, and uh, her other associate that we talked to for the Better Woman Shelter, I think we, we talked about how no no two situations are the same and you don't necessarily have, um, you know, the same same pattern of, of what happens in, in uh, stalking or a domestic violence situation. Um, and uh, so, you know, there are, there are suggestions, you know, for what can be done, um, but every every one of these situations is 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 a little bit different. Is, is, would you agree, Ashley? I think in our pr- previous conversations, you said that. Yes, absolutely. So everyone's situation is unique and different, and what works for one person in their situation may not work for someone else in in their situation. So it is really recommended that anyone who is experiencing stalking should contact their local domestic violence agency or even national hotlines to safety plan around their unique situation. And again, following that individual's instincts as far as, you know, what's going to work best for them to increase their sense of safety. And Ashley, why don't you touch on um, how often is it that a stalking situation results in something as serious as what happened with Heidi Moon, which is, you know, the person's death or maybe some other, um, you know, instance of, of serious violence? Sure. So these statistics are definitely disturbing and concerning. So the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence found that 76 percent of women murdered by an intimate partner were stalked first. And in addition to that, 89% of femicide victims who had been physically assaulted before their murder had also been stalked in the last year prior to their murder. So because of these statistics, victim services providers take stalking very seriously because we know it has the potential to escalate to a dangerous level or even that level of someone losing their life. And we talked about this too, Ashley. When should a person seek help from police? You know, and you talked about um, how they don't always want to do that right away, but when does it get to that point where they should really be, you know, reaching out? Sure. So anytime a person feels that their life is in immediate danger, they should contact 911. 
Otherwise, you know, like we talked about before, and again, given different unique situations and, uh, you know, potentially barriers on, on the part of the survivor, contacting law enforcement to report stalking behaviors will be up to each individual and what they feel is best for their unique situation. You know, um, unfortunately, at times, police involvement and protection orders may not be possible in all situations or even effective in stopping the stalking behaviors. However, you know, again, if there is an immediate threat to one's safety, it is encouraged that they contact 911. And then, you know, survivors or victims of stalking may contact police to make reports of different incidents that happen along the way to start a paper trail, at least of these different behaviors and situations that they've experienced so that, you know, they can start building that case if that's something they would like to do. Is stalking a crime in Ohio? I mean, it sounds like it's a crime. I mean, and how does Ohio, and maybe you don't know or, or could touch upon it, is Ohio tough on stalking? I mean, you know, does it vary by state in, in terms of, you know, protecting the victims? Sure. So menacing by stalking is a crime in the state of Ohio. So, you know, it is defined as uh, the act of a person who knowingly engages in a pattern of conduct that causes an individual to believe that the stalker will cause them physical harm or that causes them emotional distress. And so a pattern of conduct then means two or more incidents in a short period of time. Um, and then the mental distress part means any condition that would require counseling or mental health treatment, but counseling or mental health treatment is not required, you know, to engage in that legal process. So there are laws that address stalking in Ohio. It can just be more difficult to really build that case and to prove it again because of the the technology that's used and the different tactics um, that would actually allow the police to to pursue those types of charges. Ashley, I think you provided me with uh, some tips um, that that people who are being stalked, you know, can follow that that might be a way that they can respond if they find themselves in, in this situation. Sure. And I'm going to give the same <laughs> disclaimer again here that I did when we initially talked as well. Um, Stephanie, but again, stalking is a very, very complex victimization and it can be one of the most challenging to safety plan around due to the erratic and persistent nature of stalkers, right? Um, so again, these suggestions may not be relevant or applicable to every situation. And then at the end of the day, you know, all of these suggestions, although they're increasing safety, it unfortunately creates an unfair burden on the survivors who have to make these changes. So in, a, in an ideal world, the accountability and consequences would fall onto that abuser or stalker in these situations rather than the survivor. But in general, some of those tips may be that the individual document anything, again, that makes them feel uncomfortable no matter how small it may seem, um, again, it's adding up to proving or providing evidence for that, that greater pattern of behavior. 
so documentation, keeping a log of everything that happens, saving text messages, emails, whatever it may be, as well as things that happen in the physical world around you and not on the technology platforms. Um, people can increase security measures at home if possible. So, you know, security systems, cameras, those types of things, making sure all the locks are working, windows, all of that type of stuff. Um, if a person has to move homes because of stocking, there is a program called Safe at Home, which is available through the Secretary of State office that will conceal their new address from public records. So individuals will be assigned a substitute address to shield their address from public records, and that includes voter registration records as well. So if anyone is ever interested in this program, the applications must be completed through a certified application assistant, and that is offered here through the Battered Women Shelter and Rape Crisis Center. And that is a completely free service for survivors as well. Um, individuals could have to change phone numbers, email addresses, social media accounts if needed, and only give out those new forms of contact to trusted individuals. Um, also making sure that any previous shared accounts like calendars, Apple IDs, emails are all unsynced or completely you know, deleted and created new IDs for oneself, um, turn off location tracking on all your devices. Uh, again, plan ways to, to vary your daily routine and travel with others if possible. And then just reach out for support as well if that feels comfortable for the person. So stocking can have significant impacts obviously on a person's mental and emotional health. So again, here at the Rape Crisis Center and Battered Women's Shelter, we offer that emotional support through our hotlines that are available 24 seven, and we also offer free therapy services to survivors. I guess I, I'm curious, you know, with the, before we go, the, the upheaval that this pandemic has brought, I mean, the isolation for, for many, and, and I'm just curious, what do you see at the at, at, at your end? Is it are things worse? Are things the things? I mean, I don't think they got better because things don't go away, right? I mean, maybe they just not reported. So I, I'm just curious: did the pandemic have any impact on on your services in, in terms of people seeking help? Sure. So what we know from you know the impacts of the pandemic is there has been a documented increase in both domestic violence incidents and the severity of violence um, in domestic violence situations in the state of Ohio. Uh, and that's a nationwide trend as well, but it's also been documented specifically by the Ohio Domestic Violence Network that we have seen an alarming increase in the severity of violence throughout the pandemic. So, you know, our agency, again, we're here to serve survivors. All of our services are completely free and confidential through our hotlines, you know, support services. And of course, there's emergency shelter available through the battered women's shelter if people need a safe place to go. Ashley, do you want to mention uh, your your 24 uh, hour hotline that people can call if they if they need help? 
Sure. So for the battered women's shelter, and if people need to come into shelter, that hotline number is 330-374-1111. And then the Rape Crisis Center hotline phone number, again, that's emotional support, safety planning. Rape Crisis Center advocates can also go with survivors if they are engaged in, you know, the law enforcement or legal process for that emotional support throughout those processes as well. Um, that phone number is 330-434-7273. Well, Stephanie, thank you for doing this important work and, and Ashley for all you folks do. And, and thank you both for, for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Ashley. We really appreciate it. You guys have always been uh, great partners um, working with us at the Beacon, and, and so we really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you. That's all the time we have today for the Now You Know Akron podcast. Be sure to join us again next week. Episodes are released every Wednesday or thereabouts, wherever you download your favorite podcasts, and also available on BeaconJournal.com and our various apps. Before we have to go, we have to thank our producer, BJ Lisko and Darren Werbeck, for their work on this podcast. And we urge you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber. And you know, if you've listened before, if you're already a subscriber, you have my heartfelt thanks. Until next week. And now you know Akron. Thank you.